welcome to episode number 73 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host, I'm Chris Hansen, and i got my co-host with me today, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hello, hey, it's Chris Lamb here. If it's your first time when listening to the show, welcome. A uh, quick background on the two of us. We, I'm about 18 years older than Chris. Uh, we both live in the LA area. We both worked for IBM. I'd been there, uh, I don't know, a decade and a half or so, I think, when, uh, when Chris showed up. He showed up as a college intern. I was going to school getting a, uh, a business degree, and I'd been uh, trading the stock market and trying to figure it out. I, we overlapped by a couple of years. We um, we met via the secretary that was in our in our group, and he was talking to her about stock market, and she pointed a finger over at me, said, hey, go talk to that guy. He might know a little something, and came over. We had a, a quick chat and an, an immediate click, and a friendship formed there, and it's been growing uh, stronger and stronger as the years go by. We're coming up on, uh, we're doing almost 20 years now, I think, um, that I've known you. But we both hit freedom via the stock market. Um, I reached freedom when I was about 40. Uh, took Chris a little bit longer just because he'd just been starting, but he's a lot smarter than I am. And he got there when he was about 30. And again, we did it via the stock market. We don't necessarily, call, we call it freedom, but we really refer to it as time freedom. If you've listened to other podcasts, done any research on fire or clicked around on YouTube, whatever it might be, you'll hear people talk about financial freedom. And the most common path that will, people will speak of to get there is usually via real estate. And what people will do is they'll start flipping homes and or get a real estate license, you know, make some money that way. But oftentimes it starts with people buying a house, rehabbing it and turning it over and they make a you know, few tens of thousands of dollars. They love it. They go do it again. And they do it again, and then they hold on to one or two of those, and it becomes a rental. And they keep doing it, and suddenly they've got a... A few jobs. Uh, well, it's a few jobs. <laughs> Both they have a flipping job, right? So they become mm -hmm. the real estate flipper. So that requires some time yeah. and effort. And whether they're outsourcing it or doing themselves, swinging their own hammer and nail, or, or and or they hold on to those, and they become a landlord. And they may do their own management, or they may hire somebody else to come in and do the property management for them in exchange for giving them a yeah, minimum seven, usually about 10% of the rent. If they do that enough and do it on enough places, suddenly they've got, you know, $100 a month from this home and $800 a month from that place and $3,000 here. And it adds up and suddenly they're able to replace their income at their current job. And they look mm -hmm. and go, that's awesome. And so now they leave their job to go manage their real estate empire. And they have reached, quote unquote, financial freedom because they no longer have to work for, you know, in our case, it was IBM, but whoever your current employer is. But the misnomer, or the fallacy on that is that they still have to work. They're working for themselves, which is great. But it's still, they basically just replace the name on the paycheck as to who's writing the check. And the freedom is great. Don't get us wrong. But I'm not really looking for financial freedom. I want time freedom. Uh, Chris and I figured out how to do that in the stock market. Uh, we don't spend a ton of time watching the market every day. You can if you want to. Um, there's opportunities, but if you don't want to, you don't need to. It's totally up to you. It takes a hell of a long time to learn. Um, but I guess we could argue, Chris, and say it really doesn't take much longer than, earning, than learning anything else. Um, no, it doesn't. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's not it's not easy, right? But it's, it, does, it, shouldn't, it doesn't take uh, more time than anything else. Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah, people say, what, you mean it's going to take me, you know, three, four, five, seven years, maybe 10, you know, if I go slow at it, that's crazy. And I think, really, <laughs> let's see, 10 years ago, Obama got elected into office. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it goes really fast. Or how long have you been working, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it goes very fast. So, you know, it takes you three, four, five, ten. I, I don't know. It's all going to depend on you. But the cool thing is once you know how to do it, freedom is an awesome, awesome thing. And we, um, uh, full disclosure, I teach uh, people who have come over the years and said, hey, I don't know what you do in the stock market, but teach me how. So I do teach a stock class. So if you're interested, here's the eight-second sales pitch. I teach a stock class. I'll leave it at that. If you want to find out more about it, click around on the website. If you don't want to find out about it, there's your sales pitch. We're done. One of the people who sat through the class came up, uh, grabbed me one afternoon and said, you guys ought to do a podcast uh, because your message is unique and people really need to hear this. And he was very sincere when he looked me in the eye saying that. He was like, you need to do this. And it was, we don't have any advertisers on the podcast. Um, I don't make a dime off the podcast. I don't pay Chris a dime for it. But he said, you guys have this very unique message that people need and want to hear. And so do a podcast. I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. We figured it out. And now we're up on episode 73. We try and get them put out on the first Monday of the month. Um, I was a little lazy on this one. I didn't call Chris at the time. And he's learned not to call me and say, hey, uh, wasn't the podcast supposed to be put up yesterday or two days ago? (laughs) He knows I'll get to him when I get to him. So we're a little late on the September one for those of you that are avid listeners, uh, I apologize. And those of you that are avid listeners, you're saying, how come, you know, you guys are a week late? What the heck? Say, like, guys, you got oh, 70. That means, they're, that means they're not avid listeners. <laughs> yeah. You've got 72 <laughs> other episodes that you haven't mastered. Go listen to those. There's stuff in there that we talk about that you haven't implemented yet. So you don't need to be sitting on the edge of your seat for our latest and greatest episode. Yeah. They, they, they should know it's normal not to, uh, you know, have a have an episode come out on time. <laughs> yeah, and that's. But think about it. That's the beauty of freedom, right? We mm-hmm. do this because we want to. We love it. We get thrilled to help people. I've lost count of the number of um, heart. You know, pull at your heartstrings. Thank you emails that I receive from people. Never get tired of them. So they're very very cool to receive. Um, if you've ever, if you've never received that kind of an email where somebody or even a note looking you or sorry, a phone call and or a look in the eye and say, wow, thank you, and their eyes are welling up. It is the most powerful sensation you'll ever have. And, you know, once you get that once, you want to get that again. And so that's why we do it. It's really to help the listener. Um, if you have suggestions for us for an upcoming episode on something for us to uh, chatter about, by all means, let us know. You can reach us at a couple of ways. We've got a website for the podcast. It's called investingfromthebeach.com. Um, suggest you go on there, click around, click on the tab, see if you find anything in there of interest. If you're interested in the stock class, there's a tab that'll lead you to that. Uh, you can reach us via a phone call. Um, phone number is easy to remember. I get on a 747. In 24 hours, you can be at the beach. Um, 747-242-3224. If you put the, the letters to those numbers, it works out to 747-24-Beach. Uh, let's see, Chris, what else am I missing? Oh, strong suggestion for you. Disclaimers. Yeah. So two things. One, as you're, if it's your first time listening, take a listen through this thing in its entirety and see if you may or may not like the topics that we talk about. You might disagree with some of our ways of thinking. That's cool. Don't care. I'm not offended and I don't need, I'm not going to get in an argument with you. We're all entitled to our opinion, no matter how wrong yours may be. Um, <laughs> uh, but take a listen, see if it grabs you. We try and make it um, educational. We try and put a little humor in there as well. And Chris and I get along well, so just the banter is kind of fun back and forth. 
But if it grabs you, go listen to another one and or go start at number one. What we found in, in reaching freedom, most people focus on the how to do. You know, the task list, the checklist, or the, the checklist, the cookbook, whatever it is, the set of rules. The reality is that's maybe 5% of what it takes to reach freedom. 95% of this is how to think. And you've got to build a, for lack of a better word, it's almost like a mental operating system on what it takes to do that. And then you just plug in apps just like you would on your phone. And a lot of times people will send me notes and say, I don't understand what you mean by how to think. And my answer back is go listen to the first, yeah, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, 11 episodes on the podcast and you'll get a good foundation of how, you, of how to think. And that's right there. Uh, what else? Oh, last thing. Uh, Chris and I are unemployed. Uh, I haven't worked for, boy, it's coming up on 20 years. I think I'm at about 17 right now, something like that. Chris, what are you, 10? Yeah, but uh, nine, eight, nine years or eight, something, nine like years, something like that. Yeah. So between the two of us, we've been gainfully unemployed for uh, damn near two and a half, three decades. So we clearly have no clue what we're talking about. Neither one of us has a job. Um, we don't hold any kind of a license. We each used to have a securities license, did that for a little while. Realized it was a lot of work, didn't, wasn't a lot of fun um, in dealing with all the licensing stuff, but we're not licensed. And so we may be talking about things that are financially related. We are not qualified to give advice. You have to be employed to do that. As we said, we're unemployed, don't want to listen to us. We have no clue what we're doing. Strong suggestion is go speak with somebody who is a financial advisor. They're licensed. They've got a job, which according to the SEC and FINRA means they know what they're doing. So that's cool. Can't argue with that. And they can, anything that we talk about that you might have an interest in as to whether it makes sense for you or not, go talk to a financial advisor because clearly they know what they're doing because they got to show up at work every day. Well, Chris and I don't. What else? Anything else? Oh, and trading is risky. You can lose a lot more money than you put in. You got to know what you're doing. Um, you got to practice a lot, a lot, a lot before you put some real money out there. So if we mention, you know, a buy sell advice on something today, don't do it. Go speak to somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Cause remember we are unemployed. Talk to Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So today's topic is in kind of to want to put it in this way, cause it'll be very timely for, you know, recent past. But if you go back in three years and listen to this, it may not have the same um, impact that it does today. But we're going to talk about a number of things. One of them, kind of the leading thing for the title is, is Tesla overheated? And I don't mean related to, did the battery catch on fire? We're speaking about <laughs> Tesla stock. So if you're listening to this way in the future, back in uh, August of 2020, uh, Tesla announced a five for one stock split. If you go back in time, going back to the dot-com boom back in the late 90s, um, you saw a lot of stocks as they were going through their high flyer stage and just, you know, almost going parabolic, they would start announcing stock splits. And if you read a textbook definition of a stock split, it does nothing to add economic value to the company. All you're doing is you're dividing the company from 10 pieces into 20, for example. So if you get 10 shares, you do a two for one split, you now have 20 shares of the company. Um, but it doesn't make the value of the company go up. So Tesla announced a five-for-one stock split. There's a laundry list of reasons why people might announce a stock split. One of them could be if the stock price seems expensive to the average Joe Lunchbucket. I don't know what the right way to say it without offending somebody. So by the way, we will offend some people on this. Deal with it. 
stock market's going to kick your ass. So if you get if you get your feelings hurt by one guy's voice, um, you probably don't want to listen too much more. Because <laughs> <laughs> the market's going to clean your clock. Um, but the, the Tesla was pricing, it was, I don't know, about 300 bucks or so when it split. I can't, or, sorry, 1300 12 13 1500 bucks, whatever it was when it split. And for the average person, jumping in as a, a potential Robinhood trader, maybe without a lot of cash, I don't want to be judgmental on somebody that is using that platform. Although they can uh, buy fractional shares nowadays, I heard. Yep, yep. And so, but anyway, so there's a pro-con as to whether or not there's value in splitting the shares of stock. What often will happen, and it's gone on for just about the history of the stock market as far back as I've ever researched, whenever a stock split gets announced, it usually means that the company is doing well. You don't see a stock announce a, you don't see a company announce a stock split when their stock's just been going flat doing nothing. And <clears throat> what that does is it reduces the price a little bit, can make it more attractive to more people, and it gets more frenzied activity. So Tesla announced a five-for-one stock split that was to go into effect, I don't remember the exact date, uh, 1st of September, August 31st, something like that. You can go look it up and see, it doesn't matter. And when that split announced, from the time they announced till when they actually split, it went up, I just remember, it was like 75%. I can't remember, it was a huge, huge rise. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I think it was like uh, the stock was at maybe 400 after the uh, post-split. Um and then it ran to like maybe 500, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, like a 21% move. I remember that. But from the time uh, they on announced the, day, the split. From the time that they announced it? Yeah, and then it's Yeah, split. from the time that they announced it was a lot more. Yeah, was, I want to say yeah. it was in the 70s, 80s. I can't remember, but it definitely yeah. was a huge move. And within like a month. Mm -hmm. And just when you stop and think about it, it's like, do you really think, you know, whether you like the Tesla company, whether you like the Tesla car, it's not a vote on that. Do you think that Tesla's value went up by, let's say it was a 75% rise? Did it go up? Yeah, it was like 1,400 to maybe 2,500. <laughs> yeah. Did it, did it really go up that much? Are they selling that many more cars? Did their price reduce that much? You know, mm -hmm. did something go on where the company value would, you know, damn near double? And the answer is, uh, I don't watch the news on it, but I don't think so. And so all that is, is people getting a, friend, a frenzied, um, or a feeding frenzy over the shares. Yeah. And from experience, Chris, are you getting any gray hair, by the way? A uh, few. You got a couple. <laughs> so they're starting to come in. Cool. Because you're almost 40, right? Yeah. And they're starting to show up. Uh, I am 40, 40. Yes. I just realized yeah. that. It's like, whoops. All right. You're almost 41. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you are, minus 18. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. So you're uh, just, Chris, just so you know, this is the youngest you will ever be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's right now. Have a time machine. Exactly. And so in your time when you didn't have that one or two gray hairs showing up on the top of your head, have you seen times when the stock or a stock gets overheated and everyone's talking about it? Oh, yeah. And generally what happens when that happens? Uh, it peaks out. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, at least in the in the near term, there's not much more to the rise. Yep. And so what you'll find through experience, and you got to live through a few of these as you, and then you'll start to recognize them when everybody is talking about a stock and it's going through the roof, not saying you can't get in and catch the ride up, but unless it's something you plan on owning forever, uh, don't get too enamored with that thing. Cause at some point there's nobody left to buy. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it can still go up, but the upside is a lot less than the downside risk. Mm-hmm. So, you, know, so you, can get to, <clears throat> you get to decide. Yeah. For those of you that don't remember high school math, go look up the word parabolic and look for that. Uh, look for, you know, do a Google search on that to see what that um, uh, geometry formation or looks like. And you'll see a stock that looks like, and basically it just, it just goes almost straight up. Uh, looks like a hockey stick for lack of a better word. But when everybody's talking about it, um, be, again, not giving advice. We have no clue what we're talking about. Just be very careful if you're looking to buy it then. You can trade it, buy in and out, no problem. But it's, uh, it's again, unless you want to own the company forever, it's not not a stock you probably want to marry as it's going through that cycle. Um, great story on this. Someone that I uh, that heard about. I can I can identify their face. I won't name them. I'll, if they're listening, they uh, hope they don't get upset what I'm about to say. Um, came up to me a couple of weeks ago and they whispered and said, "Hey, guess what? Bought some Tesla." And, you know, they know that I'm involved in the stock market. I said, "Awesome. Well, what would you get it at?" Uh, so I get in at fourteen hundred. I can't thirteen fourteen hundred. I have to go back and look at my wrote a wrote a well, note. About probably it. right around where they announced the split or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure, but it was like fourteen hundred something like that. I said, man, that's awesome. So I said, what's the story? Well, it's going to split on, you know, end of the month, end of August. I said, cool. When are you going to get out? Uh, 2,500, which would be a 500 post split. So they get in in the range of on a post split, 1,400 divided by five would be about $280. And, you know, I haven't seen their trading records. I'm just going off what I was told. And their objective was to get out at about 500. And... I don't have an opinion if it's worth 500 or not. I have no clue. Um, I can look at a chart and make an assessment. Um, you should watch uh, YouTube. There's a lot of um, analysts on there on Tesla's <laughs> stock. Now, he's joking <laughs> when he says that. There's a bazillion people out there with an opinion, and everybody has an opinion, and opinions are like armpits. Yeah, I mean, Everyone's I'm joking as far as you know, telling you to go to YouTube and watch it. But uh, there, if you are on YouTube, I happen when I'm browsing things, it's like, man, there's so much uh, uh, coverage on on Tesla. All these, uh, you know, uh, you know, so-called analysts—they're not even analysts; they're just you know, normal opinion guys shares. at home. Yep, opinion shares. Yeah, kind of like you and me. Yeah, except we don't have a job. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and you know, we're not going to spend the time to let me analyze Tesla. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are the first-time listener, do a uh, do a YouTube or a Google search on either one of us, and mm-hmm. you won't find squat. Um, you'll see I run a couple of cash flow groups in uh, in L.A. area, just playing the Cash Flow 101. It's a Robert Kiyosaki board game, and that's about all you'll find on me. Um, do a search on Chris Lamb, and you'll realize he has his own religion. And child, child predator for you. Oh yeah, that's why. Well, uh, uh, yeah, you know, child to catch predator, predator. Uh, to catch it. Yeah, yeah, to catch a predator. But he spells it with an e. Yeah. <clears throat> so he is a little bit different. Uh, there I'm is a Chris Hansen star. who's a hedge fund manager out of uh, out of Seattle. He tried to move the Sacramento Kings to Seattle basketball team. And there's a Chris Hansen who was a uh, NFL player. I think he was a punter. And then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a hundred other famous Chris Hansons. I'm way down the list. But the point is, you won't see us giving stock market advice. We're not out here to be analysts or advice givers or anything else. But when you when you hear tons of people, everywhere you turn around, people are talking about Tesla. 
guess what? There's nobody left to buy. And typically what happens is it rolls the other way. Um, and so in this particular case, um, this guy said he wanted to get out at 500. I wasn't watching it. I happened to look at it a couple of days later. I went back and did a little price analysis on there. And I saw on one morning it hit 500 right at the open. I remember the day. Uh, he got out at the top. Well, no, Chris, you'll love this. The stock was up there and I had to do some digging to find this out. It was north of 500 for about 45 seconds oh, yeah. in the morning, maybe, maybe a minute, mm -hmm. but not very long at all. And people go, how do you know it was that? You got to do some digging to know what it's down to, down to the second on what's going on. You don't need to know how. I'm not going to explain to anyone how to do it and don't waste your time learning how. And then about an hour later, it broke through 500 again and it was up there again for about a minute. And then rolled back south. And so I don't know if he got out. I kind of doubt that he got out north of 500 because you'd have to be, you know, <laughs> sitting there watching <laughs> for that 30 second period of time. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, and then. Not just that, but uh, usually in, uh, w with without the experience or the discipline. Yep. Uh, which, you know, like if this guy had, um, his, he's his not plan unique. would make sense, right? Yeah, just he's not, not just, Let me pick a number. Yeah, he's he represents lots of people. Yeah, um, and so uh, the emotions that come to you when it hits five hundred is it's going to go up more because you're going to feel I'm like not, a, I'm not bailing. You'd yeah. feel like an idiot if it ran yeah. to five ten or five twenty five, yeah. and you get out at five. Oh, you'd yeah, feel like six hundred. Yeah, mm -hmm. you'd feel absolutely stupid. Because I'm sure when it hits 500, you see all these news that come up and go, wow, all these you know excitement about it. It's going to six. And, and so the greed, you know, will turn on and say, hey, let's hang on. Yep. And, uh, and then as it backs down, you don't want to sell it because you remember it was at 500. Yep. I, I got to get more, uh, 500 or better. And so that's all the emotional upheaval that you go through in the stock market that you don't have to deal with or to the same degree in real estate. And so people will poo-poo the stock market because of that volatility. And the reality is, once you recognize it, you'll be poo-pooing all over real estate because there is no volatility. And that volatility, volatility in the stock market is, insert your most profane favorite word right here, awesome. Whatever, it, it's phenomenal once you understand what the power of this is. And then you learn how to marshal it and you have to have control of your emotions or recognize your emotions and control your reaction to them as you go through this. And that's why the market's awesome. And this goes on almost every day. And you just have to learn to recognize it. And you just watch the, the frenzied activities of other, others. And it, the money flows by just like a, a roaring stream. All you do is put your cup in there, just take a little bit and drink. It's very, very cool. And then you got Elon Musk coming out uh, saying, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to raise some money by issuing some shares. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> let's sell someone. It's at a frenzied peak. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's very undervalued. Let me sell some shares. <laughs> yeah. If it's really undervalued, why would he be selling shares? Yeah. I think about it. Right. So if you're smart, he'd go sell them now, at, you know, sold them then at 500 on the high 490s, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And the last time I looked, it was what three seven. I think it was three seventy. I don't remember what it closed at. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's like that, a fifty dollars stock going down to thirty seven. Yeah, and so if you do the math on that, so it's what that's a twenty five percent drop in a week, mm -hmm. two weeks, something like that, yeah. um, if not more. And you do the math on that, and think, huh? 
Elon, sell those shares and then buy them back. And the company just made, you know, 25, 30% on its money. If you want it, and it's I, better than uh, producing vehicles. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So just the lesson behind that, the message behind that, if you're new to the uh, getting money to work for you environment, whether that's real estate, stock, whatever, just understand if everybody is talking about it, and I mean everybody, if you hear it on around the water cooler at lunch or on your Zoom conference calls or whatever you happen to be doing, watch out. We're, uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're getting, you know, it's, it's getting frothy. There might still be some good getting in there, but the, the meat of the best part of the party is over. You're catching up. You're catching the uh, the the, scra <laughs> the scraps on the tray before the clean. Yeah, and I mean, you were talking about like um, you know in the in the in the introduction that uh, you know this is five years out, and you'll listen to this, and it doesn't you know it's not it's not relevant to the time, but how to go about and think about these things will always be relevant. So, you know, usually when we talk about things, we are trying to apply a mindset around it so that it can be applicable, you know, um, into the future. Uh, so okay. with a company like Tesla or Apple, you know, um, that have split, you have to understand that it does nothing to the fundamental in the company. And usually, you know, companies that are announcing splits a lot of times it's to it's it's to encourage more activities to pump up the shares, you know, um, and and so you're seeing that with Tesla, what's going on is you got all these uh, retail investors eyeing the stock, and with the announcement of the split, there's all these frenzy that are happening around it. So you're seeing prices drive up, and the professional is going to take advantage of that as you know opportunity to get out. And they're not just going to sell it all at one time that, that you will see a huge, you know, drop in prices, but they'll slowly and then where prices get stabilized and, you know, get people happy holding it up at these levels before they actually come down. You know? So when there is uh, doesn't have to be uh, uh, basically a lot of sellers, but when it's the, the buying runs out, the stock can come down very easily. So think of what he's talking about. This is not about how to make money on Tesla. As he said, you know, five years from now, you go back, if you listen to this podcast in 2025, there will be some other stock of the, of the uh, stock du jour in 2025 that is acting similar. It may not be at the same price point and maybe not at the same frenzied level of activity as Tesla was this past month, but there will be some stock du jour that's acting the same way. Um, there were stocks acting like this in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and 2016. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place. And yeah. once you learn to recognize them, you can profit from them. And so that's the, the app. That's exactly it. The message behind this is understand the process. And once you've mastered the process, then you just apply that to the stock du jour and you profit from it that way. And that's part of the how to think. It's not, I don't care about how to make money on Tesla. I know how to do that. But if I know how to make money on Tesla, I can do the same thing on ABC stock. Or any stock, stock in the future that would announce splits and there's activities around it, you can make money off of it. Exactly. And yeah. so what you need to learn on this stuff is you got to learn the process, how to think, right? Getting the process down. The how to do is simple. It's 5% of what you need to do. But the thinking part is the big piece. So Chris, along those lines in the, uh, the articles you'll read, you know, they talk about Robin Hood, um, 
and a, a lot free of trading. activity. Yeah, the free trading that Robinhood kind of started and all the other brokers follow along. Mm-hmm. And what you got to stop and think of is, Chris, is Robinhood making money even though they're, they let you trade for free? Oh, yeah. The, uh, Does E-Trade the, uh, make money when they let you trade for free? They all do. The schwa, any of them that let you trade yeah. for free, don't think they're not they're, making money. Yeah, they're not in the business of, uh, you know, helping you out. Yep. Well, you they're going to help you out of some of your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one, one big lesson on this, you always got to remember this, and this applies not just to the stock market. Money is sticky. And whenever it touches somebody's hands, a little bit stays with them. And so you can think in that in terms of um, even product. You know, you look at a, at a box of cereal that General Mills makes, right? They, uh, they get all the ingredients and the box and the plastic wrap it goes into and they box it up. They put it on a truck. General Mills doesn't send it to your local grocery store, right? They send it to a distribution place. And from there, the distributor moves it out to the retail establishments to make it way oversimplified. But that distributor, a little bit sticks with them. Makes sense. They've got to make a little bit of money for their effort as far as, you know, uh, stockpiling this and then doing the distribution out to the remote grocery store that you and I go buy our box of cereal at. Mm -hmm. Nobody has a problem with that. But money is the same way. And so when money shifts from my hands to... Uh, Schwab or Fidelity or Robinhood or E-Trade or whoever you got your broker with and it sits with them and now I go buy shares in ABC stock the broker has to get has to make some money for holding it and for doing the service for me so even though they're not charging a commission like they used to a few months ago they're still making money Chris how do they make money well uh, various ways um, uh, the the exchange that uh, these orders get routed to, and you know they they give them kickbacks and uh, you know helping create a market for stocks. So they get payments for those. Um, and so uh, if you when you submit an order, um, they're actually getting money for those orders. Um, and we don't see that right because you know all we see is our orders filled. Yep. And we don't know whether that's the best fill that we should have gotten. And so sometimes there's ways that, uh, you know, it, it costs uh, them money, right? Um, if, if they were to give you, you know, better executions. Um, but if they can just, you know, bundle all of those orders into, you know, one, one lump order and send it over to the exchange or the, to the market makers, um, they get more money back. And so you, you know, you, you don't see these, this money being exchanged in the back end, but that's what they're receiving. And so uh, what that tells us is, you know, don't worry so much about the free trades, because if you're not getting the best fill in your prices, um, you actually end up paying more paying than, than the commission. Yeah. <clears throat> now, a, a different way of saying that, think of it this way. The, the exchange, the stock exchange, their desire is to have a bunch of order flow. They want mm-hmm. buyers and sellers lined up to buy and sell the shares. Liquidity. And yeah, the liquidity of both the exchange as well as an individual um, equity, individual stock. When, if, if you have trading experience or if you've ever bought or sold a share of stock, you know, you log on to your broker, account number one, two, three, four, five, password, blah, 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 blah. I want to buy, you know, 100 shares of IBM. And when you go to place the order, Say, I want to buy 100 shares of IBM or ABC stock. 
and it'll ask you, do you want to use a limit order or do you want to put in a market order? Um, I'll keep this way simple. So market order says, give me, I want to be the next guy in line and give me whatever price it is. So I'll take it right now, whatever the price. And a limit order says, I'm not going to pay more than this much. So if the stock's trading for $100, you could put in a limit order at 100.05, for example. And you might get filled at $100, but you will not get, you will not pay more than 100.05. So if the stock instantly jumps to 100 and a dime, the good thing is you didn't pay more than 100.05. The bad thing is you didn't get your shares. And if the stock runs up to 110, you missed it because you weren't willing to pay that, but you didn't overpay. So there's, you know, you, you got to pick whichever. They both are poison pills. You just got to figure which one is the least bitter to you. <laughs> um, but what happens when you place the limit order a lot of times is you may place it at 100.05 and then boom, you get filled. And your broker will put this little smiley face next to the order. And if you hover over it, it says, hey, we did a great thing for you. We got it better than the price you said. Uh, you know, we saved you three cents a share. Mm -hmm. So we got you filled at 100.02. And you think, oh, that's really cool. They got me a better price. What happens is the way it's set up, and again, neither, this is... Um, we're both unlicensed, we're unemployed, we're clueless. What we say is entertainment, this could be total BS. It's not, but you can go verify this. Trust but verify. What happens is the exchange pays the brokerage brokerages a kind of a, I don't know, a thank you, a, a, a fee or something for payment. creating, yeah, for creating liquidity. And if the current price is 100.05 or even 100, and they come in with a price of 100.03, they're creating liquidity in there. And so the exchange will, re will reward the brokerage. And so you were willing to pay 100.05. They came in at 100.03. To the exchange, that looks like they created liquidity. And so the brokerage is rewarded for that. And you're thrilled because you got a better price than 100.05. So, quote unquote, everybody is happy, but the broker's getting paid. And you think, well, that's okay. They should get paid. So, just understand where are they getting paid from? Where's that money coming from? <laughs> it's your money, dude. So, mm -hmm. just, and there's nothing wrong with it. Just don't be, um, don't be blind to it. And, you know, is it something that's, you know, if they buy 100 shares for $100, so it's a $10,000 trade? They're not making a thousand dollars on it, right? It's it's a very small amount, mm -hmm. but they do that on many, 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 many trades per day, many, oh, yeah. many, many, many shares, and it adds up. Um, and if you don't billions think it adds and up, billions of dollars, right? Exactly. Transactions, yeah. How are they able to pay for those expensive commercials? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it it's just like casinos, the nice suits, the nice buildings, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So just be aware that's what goes on with that. So when you look at the, the numbers underneath it, some articles coming out and pointing out and say, wow, Robinhood makes more money on that type of activity than does Schwab, than does E-Trade, than does Fidelity. Say, well, wait, Robinhood's there to help out the little guy. <laughs> yeah, okay, just remember, money's sticky. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you can... 
and as it is in life, it's much easier to profit off somebody who's uninformed and a newbie and excited than the old grizzled seasoned person. Yeah, because you don't really see what goes on in the back end. And, uh, you know, uh, here's a quote from from uh, Steve Sanders at Interactive Brokers. So Interactive Brokers is a brokerage that uh, not your normal retail investor would typically use. Um, they're probably more for professionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy is executive vice president there uh, of marketing and product development. And he said um, uh, they have a zero uh, commission uh uh, platform known as IBKR Lite, and they say he said it may not get the best execution compared to paying IBKR Pro customers. So we hit a little technical glitch here. I'm not sure what happened with my recorder. So and I, Chris and I were talking for quite some time. I looked down and go, oh, we're not recording. So I'm going to have Chris start over on a spot where he was talking about um, uh, Mr. Sanders. Yeah, so so I think I was introducing um, kind of the uh, the understanding of how uh, price executions or execution of your trades really matter. And uh, just to confirm, uh, we, we have some information from Interactive Brokers. Uh, and again, this Interactive Brokers is a broker that is more for your professionals. Um, a lot of retail investors don't really use them. So you don't you probably if you haven't heard about them. And that's probably why. And uh, Steve Sanders is the executive vice president of marketing and product development. Um, and he says uh, there's a platform on uh, Interactive Broker, I guess, to compete with you know other uh, brokerages offering zero commissions. Uh, it's called IBKR Lite. And uh, he says if it's IBKR Lite with zero commissions, we do what the other brokers do. We send them off to a market maker just like everybody else, and there's payment for order flow that comes back. So again, they get payments that come back to them. And you may not get as good of an execution. Um, If it's IBKR Pro, you'll get better execution. So IBKR Pro is for the pro customers. And his point was, you can have it either way, but... (laughs) <laughs> There's some will find one more attractive, some will find the other. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not to say that and we talk about Robinhood a lot the last couple of episodes. We're not bashing on Robinhood at all. What they're doing is fine. Um, it's more of you got to understand when they say that trades are free, they're making money and they're making money off of your money. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't this is mm-hmm. not oh, you shouldn't go to Robinhood. But people get too caught up in the the Robin Hood mentality, I guess, the lack of a better phrasing on it, is they want you to be more active with the trading, right? And they're creating in your mind a little bit more frenzied activity. Hey, you just got a winning trade. Let's look at this one next. Jump in, do it again. And that's not a recipe for success. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, if you – you know, if you're trading a share or two, or a couple, you know, in the small size orders, um, you're just starting out and you might do a few contracts or something like that in options trading, you know, you might not see uh, the difference in the execution. Um, but when you start trading larger number of contracts or larger number of shares, then that's where the execution really matters. And the commissions that you're paying 
you know, it's really small relative to, you know, what uh, uh, what those execution uh, means to you when, when you get better pricing. Chris, give a number uh, so people understand what you're talking about. When you talk about number of shares, when you say a little bit larger, what do you ref- what's the number you're referring to? Uh, well, thousands of shares into the thousands, tens of thousands of shares. Yep. So um, if right? you, you, you get into those block size, uh, you know, tr- uh, shares that you're trading, it's going to matter. Um, so, you know, you think about just a penny, right, on a thousand, yep. ten dollars. Yep. Right. Um, ten thousand, hundred dollars. Yep. That's a penny. So yep. when you when you're trading stocks and you think, oh, you know, you're not even paying attention if you you got it for a hundred dollars or a hundred and two cents, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, it's a few pennies means a, a big difference. It's a huge number. And yeah, a zero you, is you important. Don't, yeah, and you wouldn't mind paying seven eight dollars for commission. You know, I'm saving seven eight dollars uh, on the commission and. I'm giving up, you know, hundreds of dollars in yep. better, you know, executions. And for those of you that are saying, whoa, this guy just said he's trading 10,000 shares. Like, yeah, think about it. If you're, and let's say it's a $50 stock. So you're pushing a half million dollars on a trade. If you're brand new to this, your your eyes just popped and went, wait, what? That's how much a house is. I, I can't do that. Chris, when you started, did you ever envision you'd be pushing 10,000 shares on a $50 trade? Uh, never even thought about it. Didn't even think about it. You just do what you do. You just do it. Yeah. But now it like, yeah, I can do it. it. And you don't worry about it, but you know, but it's the, if somebody gets caught up and like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. You're thinking wrong. You're not understanding the power in the stock market because it's the same trade, whether you do one share or 10 shares or 10,000 shares, it's the same exact trade. The only thing that's different is the number of zeros and the zeros get in your head and you start getting nervous about it. I'm not saying you should be cavalier about it, but where people freeze and is they start thinking about the zeros where people miss it, it's the same strategy. You don't have to change your strategy at all. So if you can get it to work when you're, we're going to talk about a 23 year old in a couple of minutes. If you can get it to work as a 23 year old, on doing one, two, or five, or 10 shares and be consistent about it, now you just start adding more to the size of the trade. And it's the same strategy whether you're doing 10 shares or 50 shares or 100 shares or 200 shares or 10,000 shares. And that's the cool thing about the stock market. But it, differing from real estate, we talked about this in one of the earlier episodes, if you know how to make money flipping $200,000 homes, that's awesome. But it's a different strategy if you now go to flipping a $2 million home. The market is different. The marketing is different. The features in that that a, a home buyer of a $2 million home looks for is far different than what you see in a $200,000 home. And so you have to change your strategy. In the, and, and or if you say, well, I'm going to do 10 $200,000 homes. Ain't got enough hours in the day, dude. Mm-hmm. But in the stock market, you can do that. And the extra effort is literally one more button on the keyboard. So for those of you who are saying, whoa, I couldn't push that. That's part of the how to think. You got to grow into it. You didn't start there. He didn't start there. I didn't start there. But you grow into it. And now you do a 10,000 share trade, 50 bucks. That may seem big when you're starting off. That's small. That's nothing to the stock market. Institutions, that's, a, that's not even a blip. 
And yet to the individual, that's our net worth. Like, oh my God, that's huge. But in the stock market, it's a grain of sand on the beach. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. So back on the Robin Hood concept about how they're getting paid for creating order flow, if you will. Robin Hood in these articles you read is making far more money per trade and per customer than is an E-Trade, than is a Schwab, than is a Fidelity because of the activity that they're generating. And not that it's good or bad, it just, it, it is what it is. Um, it, but it's stuff you want to be aware of. Yeah, so we, 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 you know, that's that's the most common question when people, you know, start trading is which broker should I choose? And so hopefully that helps you, uh, you know, kind of some things to think about. And, you know, it is important and it's not important, but mm-hmm. uh, in the long run, uh, you have to plan for what, what you ultimately uh, want to be or how you're, you're going to be trading. So the execution uh, does matter. Uh, so you, you don't want to always just um, you know, you know, look for something that's free. And right? or has an easy interface that I can start right away. I, that's dumb. If it takes you another you know, half an hour to learn the interface, so what? Mm-hmm. Um, but does that mean Robinhood's the only guy making money on doing it this way? Not at all. E-Trade makes money this way. All the brokers are making money this way. But back to the point with uh, with IB, Interactive Brokers, they're giving you the choice. You can do it a traditional way, pay us a commission, we'll try and get you a better fill. Or you can do it commission-free. Eh, your fill may not be as good. Or we'll be like the other guy. So, along, and that goes back to, it's a great example of how to think. Along the lines of that, we mentioned earlier where... Um, flipping through YouTube and you can find 101 quote unquote, you know, finger quotes around the word analysts, but analysts are giving you their opinion about Tesla, whether it's overvalued, undervalued, it's going to be a trillion dollar company, blah, blah, blah. Be very, very careful. And again, this is along the lines of how to think, be very, very careful on who you click on, who is giving you advice and the person you're listening to, are they in a position that you're, that you aspire to get to? Chris, you were sharing with you sharing with me earlier, an article, uh, CNBC about this 23 year old guy. Yeah. So we mentioned before, uh, I often browse the CNBC app, uh, just to get market news and, you know, um, certain things about the economy. And, uh, oftentimes there'll be an article that kind of catches my attention and, uh, there was one titled, uh, this 23-year-old Uber driver earns 25000 a year, uh, but has everything, um, and this is in quotation from him, I guess, everything I could want right now. And it's like, huh? Okay. $25,000 a year, and that's, that's everything you could want. Like, okay. Oh, uh, Chris, you forgot. He's that? dating Paris Hilton. <laughs> so let's see. You know, maybe he is. Um, and so... So I, I, I clicked on it and then, um, you know, and usually uh, somebody who writes these articles or uh, that appearance in CNBC, they have something to, to market. I guess he's trying to market his uh, YouTube channel. And so I clicked on it and see what, what, what is the offering. And when I clicked on it, um, basically he's giving financial advice. I mean, there's a lot of uh, videos he puts up. It's like, hey, let me show you how to build wealth. Uh, it's like you're showing people how to build wealth. You're making twenty five thousand dollars a year, and but he hasn't done anything. 
Chris, I can teach you Vietnamese. Yeah. <laughs> I can teach you Mandarin. Yeah, you're learning how to order pho. That's, you know, I, might, I might as well teach you how to you know, t- speak Vietnamese right now, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Right? And, and so it's it's you got to be very careful and and you know you have to use your mind and and there's a lot of people who will click on these things and go oh this guy's you found him on CNBC he's got a YouTube channel he must know what he's talking about let's sounds good right and if you think about it you know what a lot of these guys who have YouTube channels their their goal is to monetize you know it's a business they're starting on YouTube so that they can make money on subscribers and viewerships and. Um, you know, uh, and, and get payments from YouTube, from Google. Yep. But uh, other than that, most of the content, it's not really, it's just to try to get you to click on more and, and watch it. But do the contents really, really help you in achieving what you're trying to achieve? So you have to, you have to look at that. Um, and do these people have that experience? Um, so most of the time, you know, if you want to see, okay, how do I, start my own YouTube channel, then these, you know, you might watch these things and make sense to you. But from a, you know, how do I invest or how do I have a mindset, you know, so that I can grow my wealth and, and achieve time freedom, things like that, that uh, we all kind of want. Um, you're not, you're not going to find very good information from, from these type of, uh, you know, uh, channels. And especially from somebody who's uh, 23 year old, uh, years old and, and, you know, uh, is, is living on his brother's couch or something, right? He's, 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 uh, I, I just kind of, I was just kind of interested. I clicked on a video of him. He's, he's like, yeah, he's kind of update, you know, on his net worth and stuff. And he's like, you know, um, you know, I, I, I have this goal. I gotta, I gotta try to get to a, um, you know, a five figure net worth. <laughs> and, and again, this is not ripping on the guy. It's I, not I ripping on doing, no, it's just like, guys, I yeah. understand when you click on somebody, be really careful. Is this the person that you, and if you're a 23 year old who's sleeping on somebody's couch and driving Uber, that's awesome. awesome. But do you want to listen to somebody that doesn't know how, he ain't figured it out yet. You want to listen to him? You're not going to, for those of you first time listener, in case you weren't aware, I'm about a mid fifties white guy. And Chris is a Vietnamese immigrant who came here when he was about five. And speaks Vietnamese. So when I say that'd be like me teaching him Vietnamese, I can barely say pho correctly when we go out to lunch. He cracks up because I mispronounce it. I can't pronounce his wife's name. <laughs> so I just call her by her first initial. Yeah. And so the, the reality is on that, it would be absolutely insane for me to teach somebody Vietnamese if I'm three words ahead of them. And you know, I'll go learn a couple words from Chris and then I'll come over and see you and <laughs> teach you what I learned. And you can pay me for it. Oh, that's stupid. Um, and so that's what we're ripping on this guy for. I love that he's working it. I admire the guy for doing that. But please, as the listener, be very, very careful on who you click on and from whom you're taking advice. Just because you yeah, I mean, what you can channel. learn from him is the uh, the work ethic, right? I think yeah. he has the, uh, the 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 ability. Yep. Uh, right, but I think it's the wrong vehicle. Uh, and what he's trying to do to, to grow his wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just a way to understand there's there's a lot of stuff out there, uh, especially around the stock market and, you know, money finance um, that, you know, if you apply how to think, uh, it's 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 not the right approach. So and and it'll lead you to more frustrations if you're trying to. Oh, this is, you know, inspiring. Let me go and, uh, you know, open up an account and uh, and start investing. 
So just because you have a YouTube channel does not make you an expert. That also applies just because you run a podcast doesn't mean you know what the hell you're talking about either. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. go talk to somebody that has a job yeah. and works for a living and can tell you what to do with their money. Don't listen to two clowns that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. What was the other thing we had on yeah, there? You can teach people how to speak Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> Would some listener do me a favor just for fun? I've never asked for money before. Somebody um, go on the website. There's an address there. I mean, you got to go find it. And it has our mailing address. Somebody put a dollar in the mail to me and put a little post-it note on there that said, Hanson taught me a word in Vietnamese. I'm going to show it to Lamb to say I got paid for teaching somebody Vietnamese. <laughs> and then... I will. I, I'm not going to promise you I'll donate your dollar. I'm not going to. I'm going to spend it on a candy bar or something, but it'd be funny to do. Actually, what I will do, I promise, if one shows up when I walk out of the place where I get my mail, I will look for a homeless person. I will hand it to them. So <clears throat> if any of you are feeling uh, magnanimous and want to donate a dollar, I will take a picture of it. <laughs> Share it with Chris. The way you pronounce it. will do a hundred times match. Yeah, exactly. The way you, Your donation. The way you pronounce the Vietnamese soup is pho. <laughs> so there's your Vietnamese lesson. All right. Enough on that nonsense. Um, next thing we had on here was we've got a, uh, an election coming up, creating all kinds of havoc. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more nutty yet since we're what are we september mid-september october november so we got 60 days basically till an election which is going to cause all kinds of upheaval depending who four wins. more years yeah four exactly. more years you got people saying <laughs> four more years and other people saying get them the hell out yeah um and i don't care whatever opinion you have on what on the guy that's in there if you love him or hate him um or if you look at the mindset yeah if you look or even if you look at the alternative and say well you may not be voting for Trump, but you may look at Biden and go, there's no way in hell I want that guy. And if he's, you know, you, you read the scuttle, but I don't know if his wits are sharp. Don't hear too much from him. You think, well, do you want his uh, his VP to run stuff? And so you may not be voting for Trump, but you're voting not to have either one of the two of them. However you want to vote, your vote, that's what's awesome about the country. You should be able to vote. You, you can vote as you wish. Um, it's interesting now that if you have a dissenting opinion, man, you got to shut your mouth. You can't say anything. We're getting very uh, 1984-esque and almost like what you see back in the 50s with McCarthyism. And that if somebody said something that was against the, um, the correctness, then you get slammed for it. And if you think about it, that's really scary in the country because we're built on freedom of speech. Well, that tells that tells you, uh, you know, you, you, usually when you're saying something right, there's there's there's, you know, people fight it, people fight it. Yeah. Yep. So that even tells you more as far as like, if, you know, uh, how to think. Right. Uh, when you say things that are right, a lot of people will fight it. Yep. So yeah. just be aware that when, you know, you get upset because somebody says something that may be I don't know, racially insensitive, can't argue with you. They may say that. But keep in mind, that's the cool thing about this country is that with freedom of speech, they're allowed to do it, right? You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But if I want to call somebody some racial slur, it's not the smartest thing I could do, but I have that right. And 
when you stop and think about it, it's like, oh, that's right. It's a dumb thing to do. I'm not encouraging that. But stop and think about that when we're trying to put restrictions on what somebody can or cannot say. Eh, there's something wrong with that. Um, kind of along those lines, a little bit, it's unrelated, but we'll kind of jump to it. <clears throat> One of the things to think about, we're, we're seeing this specifically in California. Um, we all have Uber and Lyft opportunities if you live in a major city. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, backwoods, somewhere in the U.S., you may not have an Uber or Lyft driver readily available. But in a major metropolitan area, you have the ability to contact Uber or Lyft to take you from point A to point B. California is stepping in and trying to put legislation in place that requires the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, to become employees. And it's fascinating, if you will, what happens when you get government intervention in a free market system. Because nobody is forcing that Uber or Lyft driver to be an Uber or Lyft driver. Right? If the pay is good, people will flock and do it. If the mm -hmm. pay is bad, then guess what? They're not going to get employees and people will yeah. leave and they've got to raise the pay or nobody will do it and the business will falter. Um, and so it's fascinating in a sad way when you get government invention, intervention on that. People say, well, they should be treated as employees. Like the employee doesn't have to work there or the, sorry, the person that is doing the driving. Yeah. Chris, has Uber ever come up and, you know, held a knife to your throat? <clears throat> Said, hey, <clears throat> we'd like to, <clears throat> excuse me, we want you to drive your car and drive around and pick up people. Mm -hmm. And we'll pay this many dollars to go from point A to point B. Exactly. They don't do it. Yeah. It's your choice. No, yeah. You, you have a lot of choices whether, you know, you want to work for them and go do something else. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so and there must be a benefit. Otherwise, people wouldn't be working. Yep. For them. Yeah. And so when you hear that, you got to take a step back and look at it and say, government intervention is not always a good thing. But, but, but those poor employees, they don't, you know, they don't, when, during this pandemic, they're not getting paid. They're not, you know, they're, neither is anybody else. Neither, well, but if they weren't driving for Uber, then what would they be doing? Yep. You're, you're actually creating jobs that aren't there. Yep. Yeah. And so in the beauty of, of taking that job is if you want to work weird hours that fit your availability around another job, cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've got the ability to do it. Have you ever uh, talked to a, a driver? Uh, you, you know, it's funny. Some of this? Whenever I take a cab, mm -hmm. do you ever talk? I mean, rarely do you talk to the taxi. Uh, to the, I do because I talk to anybody, mm -hmm. but most people won't talk to the taxi cab driver. Mm -hmm. Whenever you take an Uber or Lyft, everybody talks to the yeah. driver. <laughs> It's like, because, you know, you're riding in his car, you just feel this instant connection. Like, hey, you know, my butt's yeah. in your car seat. I guess we're <laughs> friends. Um, but, yeah, you talk, you talk to them, right, when you take either oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And most of them, actually, they, they, they don't seem, um, you know, like they're down. <laughs> the cab drivers do. Yeah. Yeah, cab drivers always seem pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> and the Uber guy's like, ah, it's fine. You know, they've got yeah. good and bad. Usually they've got just the funny stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but most of the, 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 what, you know, from a, uh, you know, job perspective and why they chose to do it, um, most of them say, Hey, it gives me a lot of flexibility. You know, it's, it's not their primary job, but, uh, or, you know, some of them had hey, just do this on the side and, uh, you know, I, I drive around anyway, so I might as well make money off of it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, and they love the flexibility to be able to do that. And uh, I think I asked one time that, hey, there's like legislations and stuff trying to regulate, um, you know, Uber or Lyft. And, uh, you know, how do you guys feel about that? Right. And they're like, they're like, yeah, I guess it's good and bad. But, you know, yeah, I would, you know, I don't I, I prefer, you know, that that I have the flexibility um, being able to drive whenever I want uh, versus like, OK, I now am an employee and under their restrictions. Yep. Um, because it is true. If now you're an employee, then we got to set you hours and you have to drive certain times and all that, right? Cause we got to manage the labor force. Yep. Yeah. And which means pricing will probably go up. Mm-hmm. Right. So now yeah. for yeah, those their costs will go up. So, yep, they, which know, means our uh, costs are going to go up. Yep. Yeah. Um, friend of mine, friend of ours tells the story where he was taking an Uber or Lyft, whoever it was, somewhere and talking to the person and said, so what, you know, where, what areas do you go? And this person happens to go into the Hollywood area pretty regularly um, for work functions and that. <clears throat> and he said, you know, I, I'll do it, but I don't like take, I don't like, I've learned not to pick up people after about 10, 11 p.m. Because you end up getting drunks and they throw up in the car. And he goes, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with, and whether they throw up or not, but, you know, just the person that, you know, when you think about drinking, the friendly booze, drunks. Well, yeah, the friendly drunks, but you don't want to get, you should only ever drink enough that your personality can handle. <laughs> I guess this is the best way to say it. Um, you know, obviously, you don't drink and drive, but you know, what's your limit? Well, it's what your personality can handle. And so this guy was just saying, hey, I don't want to take people that are going to be belligerent and or throw up. Um, not too long thereafter, he got in a different Uber car or a Lyft car talking to the guy and said, you know, what kind of hours do you work? He said, oh, I love working, you know, after 11, work like 11 to 4, 11 p.m., 4 a.m. in Hollywood. It's like, oh, don't you get a lot of drunks? He goes, yeah. He goes, they throw up. He goes, he said, yeah, vomit's fine. He said, because, I don't remember the number. I'm going to make it up. I could be wrong. Because the, the Uber or Lyft will pay me $400 to clean it. And what I do is I pay my brother 100 to do it for me. So I make $300 when they throw up and somebody else cleans it up. <laughs> so he, he sees the opportunity and, you know, have somebody do, you know, projectile vomit in his car. And he's hiring his brother. Car's clean. Somebody else's issue. And he makes more money as a result. Mm-hmm. So one person's problem is another person's opportunity. It's a way to think about that. But That's the bigger, yeah, it's, it's just, it was an interesting perspective. The bigger message on that is um, as we come up to vote, not just for presidential stuff, you're going to have things on probably on your state ballot tickets. Always, always, always keep in mind as to whether or not government intervention is a good thing. When you get government intervention into a free market system, a free market opportunity, the method gets screwed up. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Um, go ahead. You're going to say something? No, I, I mean, I just, it's very true. If you observe a lot of uh, government intervention, uh, what it does is just kind of limits, uh, you know, innovation and creativity and uh, adds more costs and, and restricts you, uh, you know, from, from really providing uh, what's, what's good for the, uh, you know, society and economy. It's, it's for the market. The market yeah. will, the cool thing about capitalism. It'll determine. It, it does. It weeds yeah. out the weak and it rewards mm-hmm. the strong. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, 
you got to stop and think. And we're in a, a period of time where there's this big bash on capitalism. But that's what grew the economy from, or grew the country from nothing a couple hundred years ago. And even back in the, you know, turn of the century, we weren't the yeah. strongest country. Yeah, we, we, we didn't get here, you know, because of government interventions. Nope, we got you here know, because of... We didn't get to of... where we are because of government interventions. So why are we putting government interventions in place today so we can go back to what? To, to being poor? You know? People That's, immigrate to this country yeah. because of the yeah. opportunity, not because of the government intervention. Mm-hmm. If you wanted government intervention, go to Venezuela, go to Cuba. Yeah. Right? Go to, go to some place where you've got... Um, government oversight, and you restrict the freedom of the people. Yeah, I mean, if you really think through, like, just look at cases um, and just, you know, here's a good example of with Lyft and Uber, um, you know, being with with the California ruling, um, they're saying, hey, we can't make money uh, by doing that. So we're we're not going to operate here. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they don't operate there. Who loses? All the drivers are like, oh, we want it better. And now you're getting nothing and you don't even have a chance to work. Now you got to go find something else. And we, right? the consumers, lose. And the consumers lose. Yeah. Now we don't. And the we, state lose money. Yep. We, our only alternative is our drive ourselves or take a taxi. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, everybody loses maybe except for the, maybe the taxi companies now. They're you know, yep. getting a little bit more, uh, you know. No pun intended, lift. Huh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> lift with an I. Yeah. Not a Y. In, in, their, in their revenues. Um, but yeah, it just, it, 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 all these interventions really messes with things. And so you have to look at it. Um, I was listening to uh, Peter Schiff, you know, from, uh, you know, one of the, you know, Peter Schiff, known as the uh, economist. Yep. Um, uh, and he, he was talking about, he said, when government comes in, they just kind of screws with everything. And, and he said, he said, he gave an example of like, you know, uh, it just costs more to do business. And right? he's like, you know, why do I have to get a license to cut somebody's hair, do somebody's nails, you know, massage somebody? It's like, if they don't like the massage, they're not going to go to me. Yep. But why do I have to pay somebody money so that I can get a license and, re- and pay fees every year? Right. <laughs> you know, you don't like the haircut, don't get it from. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> Let yeah. the people determine. Two, two comments on that. One is he's got this great book. It's almost a cartoon, or not a cartoon, a comic book that's called um, How an Economy Grows and Why It Crashes. And it's done in, you know, big animal pictures. Fabulous book. It's probably put out, I don't know, maybe 2010, something like that. Um, so it was after the financial crisis back in 07, 08, 09. And it explains how the economy works and it's done in a way that a kid would understand it. Um, and it, it's a great book and I'm sure there's probably a PDF of it online. You probably, you know, somebody has probably copied it and put it out there, but it's worth getting the book. Um, and it'd be a, a great discussion point to have if you've got young kids um, and explain how this works. He, uh, in there, he puts, and explain it, it. It's the story of some guy who starts out fishing on an island and how the economy yeah, he explains it kind of like from when we're nomadic, you know. Just, yes. Yep. <laughs> right. Uh, not industrialized. We just start out with, you know, we're just living on the land. We're just fishing. And why does government even start, right? Uh, and so, if you have, you know, a little bit of time on Earth where you've been, uh, you remember the historical figures that were in place back in the the oh uh, eight oh nine. Um, 
the names for like, you know, Ben Barnacle, which is referring to Ben Bernanke. So he's got all these play on words related to fish terms and all that. <laughs> it's actually pretty well done. It's almost like watching yeah. a cartoon with your kid and you realize this is um, the words are for the adults, but it goes right over the heads of the kids. But how an economy grows and why it crashes. I do not have that on the book list on our um, on the website. So you just have to go probably to Amazon. Or, yeah, I probably should put it up there. Yeah. Make an extra 14 cents off that or eight cents off that one. Um, increase your trade size. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can do better off if I don't trade on Robin Hood. The other one along those lines, when you get into um, uh, government intervention, Milton Friedman was a an economist, for, and I don't remember his title, whatever he was doing back in the Reagan administration. And whether you like Reagan or not, I don't care. But the guy had a really great, interesting perspective on how to think about government with spending. And I, he had this book. I want to, I think it was called Free to, Cho Free to Choose, Free of Choice, Free to Choose, something like that, whatever it was titled. Um, but he talked about the four ways that money gets spent. And he put it up in a, in a two by two matrix. And if, if I, I'll try and explain it a little bit. And if I lose you, just go, go look it up on Google and find out about it. But it's a phenomenal way to look at it. And the first, what it, what it talks about is spending my money or somebody else's money on me or somebody else. And so if you think about it, it really is a two by two matrix. And so the thought is when I spend my money on me, I'm going to be worried about the quality of the product that I buy and I'm going to be worried about the price, right? So I pay attention to price and I pay attention to the quality. But when I spend my money on something for Chris, for you, I'm worried about price I may not, quality. <laughs> I may slip a little bit on quality, right? I may not have, you know, if I'm trying to, I'm trying to make an impression on you, it's one thing, but if I'm not, I might be a little less loose on quality because it's not for me, it's for you, right? Mm -hmm. And it, Or you may not know. I mean, it's not that you're trying to purposely, No, I'm just, it could be something, hey, I, I, you know, I like that, you know, item. Yes. And so you're just buying it because you, you, you know, I like it, but you, you're not the expert in that item. So you're kind of like, oh. correct, correct. And so when I'm spending my money on you, price is important. Quality may or may not be. When I'm spending somebody else's money on me, I'm going to get quality, but I don't care about price because it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else's money, somebody else's problem. Um, and now when I spend somebody else's money on somebody on else, somebody else, then <laughs> I don't care about, about cost <laughs> and I don't can necessarily care about the quality. And just so you know, that's government. When you're All spending I care is somebody I'm spending else, the money. Yep. I'm spending so somebody else's money on something else, on something that doesn't relate to me. And mm -hmm. you see quickly, there's the problem. And when you really stop and think about it, you think, oh man, look at that. And now you look at where, you know, government has to spend money on certain things. There's no question, right? National security, uh, infrastructure, no problem. But as you start digging into it a little bit, you think, oh, look at that. We could be doing this better. And so it really makes you stop and think. And now with that as a backdrop and, and you know, think that through a little bit and now listen to the political figures, both at the federal level, right? We have a presidential election. Listen to it if you've got any congressional seats, whether it's uh, national or your state Congress stuff, and even at a local level. And listen to how they, how they talk about spending and programs and whatever else, and it'll really open your eyes. 
and you're not going to like what you're hearing. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on today. You got half a brain. You'll hear what I'm talking about. Yeah, the uh, the book that Chris met, Chris uh, mentioned on the, from uh, Peter Schiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about he, he Peter Schiff also explains kind of why government was put in place to begin with, right? It's to uh, you know you have to have law and order um, to you know establish a society or uh, you know a country, and so government's purpose is to protect that you know, to, to to protect the law and enforce the law. Um, but also to protect us uh, from being taken over by other countries, yep. right? Yep, protect us. Um, but those are kind of the two main reasons, right? And they need taxes to be able to do that. But uh, they're put in place to serve the people. And then, you know, you know, government starts getting bigger and bigger and have an idea that, hey, the people need to serve government. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> it's completely false. It's like now people running for, you know, poli- you know become politicians and go- running for government uh, so that they can, you know, eat off the system. It's totally wrong thinking, and that's what's been going on as government gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like let's let's you know, hey, we're a wealthy country. Let's let's tax more. Let's get more dollars, right? And and then Chris, you know, mentions to you that you know, government is taking money that is not theirs and spending for something that's not theirs or not for them. They don't care. So money just goes whatever in all these different interests that it's like it has nothing to do to benefit why we're being taxed to begin with. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we have to think through those things as we make decisions on, you know, what policies are out there and, you know, what, what uh, uh, changes are trying to be made. Um, so, you know, a lot of us don't really think of it in that terms and, and just go, oh, I'm just going to vote for somebody that will uh, or something that will benefit me. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to think about it in the, in the long term. Does, does this make sense? Does this, does, does this, uh, can this last if we're doing this? Yep. Cool. Any other uh, pearls of wisdom? A wise one? No, 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 no. Just, you know, it's uh, a lot of things that we discussed about is, uh, you know, it's, it's um, kind of relevant today, uh, but the thinking behind it is applicable to, Anything in the future, um, some of the items, it's just, you know, stuff that's on the news and stuff that is uh, kind of popular in this uh, time. So, you know, I thought it was uh, meaningful to bring that up and, and how to think about these uh, these things that uh, we hear a lot uh, in the media and, and uh, you know, just in the current events. Very cool. <clears throat> if you've got thoughts or comments for us, um, we'd love to hear them. Uh, You can reach us, as I said before, uh, off the website. There's a little contact thing there on investingfromthebeach.com. You can send us an email, investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. Yeah, if you you feel so motivated and inclined, go to to iTunes and click on the ratings and reviews and uh, say something nice. <laughs> if, you, if you don't like what we're oh, saying, yeah. you, you're not oh, listening yeah, or, at this or, point. Or be honest and be truthful. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, don't be a politician. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you're at this point and you hate the show, that if you hate us, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't have stuck on this long anyway. <laughs> but if you go write up a um, go write up a, a five star review and say something nice, that makes us. Uh, it raises our attention. Right way to say it raises the flag, whatever it is, with uh, the folks at iTunes. So we can get our message out there a little bit better. That'd be awesome. And if you don't want to do it, uh, then it send me a dollar. It makes more excited to put up uh, you know, more episodes for you. Well, yeah, that, send me a dollar so <laughs> I can time. tell Chris that I taught Vietnamese. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, what else? So you know how to reach us. Uh, we put this out generally about once on generally. We put it out about once a month. As always, we appreciate you listening. We do know that if you'll put into practice what we've talked about on this episode and on prior episodes and on upcoming episodes, you can get to the point of reaching time freedom. Um, time freedom to us is signified by hearing the waves crashing on a beach, not on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday when the rest of the world is out there, <clears throat> but more like on a Tuesday. When everybody, once we get out of this COVID environment, when everybody is back at work doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, the beaches are empty and the waves sound incredible. No kidding, on a Tuesday, so much better than anything you'll ever hear on a weekend where you've got to share not only the sand, but the sound with uh, thousands of your closest friends. Get out there on a Tuesday and you will totally appreciate what Time Freedom is all about. So again, if you'll uh, do what we say, we know we'll see you out at the beach on a Tuesday. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care.